Hey everybody, this week's podcast is brought to you by DirecTV. Not many people know this, but when MMA was rising from the dead, DirecTV was one of the first providers to air both Pride FC and UFC. Cable-crushing deals starting at $29.99, huge discount if you visit thedreamingleapro.com and click the link. And if you aren't allergic to parties, sign up and start saving money today with DirecTV. Our Dream Elite podcast stars Max, Adam, Brandon, and myself. Welcome to Dream Elite Radio. I guess it's been two weeks already. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome, welcome, welcome once again. Uh, as always, uh, the panel of hosts to join us, uh, the permanent member, now the staple in our uh, panel of hosts, good old... Here's Johnny. Hey, what's up, John? Wow, man, I, I liked it, I liked it. it was, that was a perfect <laughs> intro, man, I appreciate it. It feels, it feels good to finally be a permanent member now. Uh, permanent thank staple. You, permanent staple. Permanent, of course. It feels good to be a permanent staple. Permanent staple, baby. Permanent staple. And as always, you guys all know him all too well. The MMA genius with a 90-foot penis. Let's jump in the back! The best intro in the game. Thanks, I, for, I that, like Thanks your, for that, Father. <laughs> by the intro, your dick is getting bigger every single episode. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. And of always, the biggest host of them all, you can follow him on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace, Exanga, whatever website you want to. It's going to be Hollywood. <laughs> oh, Hogan, we're coming for you. <laughs> what's, what's going on, bro? Happy to be what's here up, again. Man? Um, yeah, man. Follow me at stuff at Instagram at Hulk Olgan. Follow me, man. Let's go. Yo, Adam, are you hammered this episode? Um, I'm getting there. I'm sipping right now, and I plan to continue sipping until the very end. Perfect. Also, there's an echo in the background if you guys don't mind. But we have a lot to talk about. So, UFC 200 happened. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are talking about it. A lot of people are going down the pike. Of, whoa, there's a goddamn huge echo. What's going on, guys? One of you guys, not me. Hmm. Yeah. I'm yeah, good on I don't hear an echo either. I'm good on my own. I don't know. Do you, Max? If you don't hear the echo, then it's probably you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear Okay, nothing. so... As I was uh, saying, and I want to start off with uh, with Adam, because Adam is probably the most opinion out of anybody about this. Uh, UFC 200 happened. Huge, monumental event. A lot of, I think the events outside the Octagon superseded what happened in the Octagon. Uh, huge buildup. Huge, uh, you know, there's always a slip and slide and tumbles while going to the big show. Of course, Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz didn't happen. Uh, John Jones, we're going to talk about that later, but... The event itself and all the fights itself. Uh, Adam, what did you think about uh, UFC 200? Um, I think that it was 
it was a little underwhelming in a lot of ways. I think that, you know, what was it, 96 or something, where they had Connor versus Chad Mendes, and they did all this cool new shit, and they had singers, and they did all this stuff. And then for UFC 200, all they did was change the color of the mat. So I think it was a little... I think it was a little underwhelming as far as, you know, this is UFC 200, we thought it was going to be a big deal. And I, and I don't think that the fights necessarily lived up to the hype either. I think that the best performances for me were, you know, I thought Kevin Gasolum was amazing and Kane Velasquez. And, you know, I think those were my two favorite performances from that night. So how about Brock Lesnar? Did, did that fight appeal to you or how about uh, the main event? I mean, it was cool to see Brock, you know? It was really cool. Um, but was it, like, an, a super fucking entertaining fight? Not really. It wasn't. But it was just, it was kind of entertaining just because it was Brock Lesnar. But as far as performance-wise, yeah. I think that if if you didn't give kudos to Kevin Gaslam with his fight with Johnny Hendricks, he just looked like a monster out there. And then Cain Velasco doing that spin kick, man. Like, that was that was UFC 200 worthy right there. That's a highlight reel. <laughs> oh, no. oh, man. John, what do you think? Um, honestly, I got to agree with Adam, like, 100%. It was it was underwhelming. Production-wise, I, they didn't really do anything special, um, especially compared to, to UFC 189, um, where Mendes fought McGregor. You had live performances, the debut of the new um, Reebok shorts. Uh, just the whole production was phenomenal for 89. Then you have UFC 200, and you get a yellow mat. I think they did the intro a little differently. There was a giant screen that came down, but besides that, it was very pedestrian. As for the matches, again, I got to agree with Adam. They didn't quite live up to the hype. I mean, I think that just happens when you have top competition fighting top competition. You know, they kind of equal each other out, and you're not going to, quite see the best. There were some, like, standouts like Cain Velasquez with the spinning, you know, back kicks, which was phenomenal for him. He uh, definitely should be considered for the title, you know, title shot. Um, but for the overall card, it was like a B- minus or a B. You know, I, I think the two other cards, the Thursday night and the Friday night card, were phenomenal, way better than UFC 200. Max, do you agree with them? Yeah, man, I, I, I agree with these guys. I mean, I guess it was the build-up to it being the 200 since 100 did so well. And um, like these guys are saying, the production was very lacking. I think cards that we can look even further back, like 190, one, um, I mean 169, when they had this square projector and they, um, they had the big flags, it was huge 50-foot projectors. But this one, I mean, this projector was horrible. You couldn't even read the lettering. It looked like it was all put together in like a rush. And the yellow mat should have been gold, maybe a little bit more gold. It didn't even go with some of the trunk. It was it was very weird production-wise. Yeah. But um, the card-wise, um, I think some of the performances of the night were, of course, Amanda Nunes stopping Aisha Tate in the first round. Nobody's, you know, done that before um, in that oh, yeah. fashion, at least. So, like, um, yeah, in that fashion. But Ronda stopped her with a submission. She, she, she stopped Tate at something she's good at. Moving forward, even though she's getting punished, she was moving yeah. back as soon as she ate a good, hard shot from Amanda. Maybe she had some power we don't know about. But um, besides that, yeah, the Brock Lesnar fight, very um, underwhelming. I mean, we all knew either he was getting knocked out or Mark Hunt would have had a long, a long night. And Mark Hunt had a long night. Uh, he maybe landed three shots the whole fight. And it was very lackluster. But, yeah, shout out to Kevin Gaston. He had a great, amazing fight. He, he gave oh, yeah, me the Hendricks. 
Yo, that's, that's like Nintendo worthy for sure. That's the that's the thing I wanted to bring up. Like, why aren't people talking about Kevin Gastelum, bro? He looks like a fucking monster. And and just before the fight, Johnny Hendricks was kind of being a dick and saying, "Oh, I used to beat Kevin Gastelum up in sparring yeah. when he used to spar with me and blah blah blah." And yeah. Kevin Gastelum made Johnny Hendricks look like a fucking amateur, in my opinion. Like he yeah, really corrected. I, I think lost. the real issue is it's not that Kevin Gaston's not getting his props as much as we're looking at why he won. It's like Johnny Hendricks came in overweight. He hasn't looked good since, like, the last Lawler fight. He missed the fight because he couldn't make weight. So the bigger story is what's up with Johnny Hendricks. What, what, what's going on with his former champion? He, he's just had this fall from grace. He got completely outclassed by Wonderboy. He struggled to compete with a Kevin Gaskin of the world. And that's not any disrespect to Kelvin. He's coming up right now, but Johnny Hendricks is supposed to be a top-tier guy, and he just didn't look like that kind of fighter out there. And not for nothing, but, too, guys. If I, if I could just interject, yeah. wait, wait. Yeah. Johnny Hendricks looked really smaller out there. Am I the only person? Maybe maybe I was super baked, and that's the reason why I, like, I, I noticed these things. But, like, Johnny Hendricks looked really small. Like, do you think it might be the new drug testing, too? Like, for sure. He looked, he looked really small. And a lot of people mentioned that as well. And it was so much harder for him to make um, to make weight. Like, he was shaking on the scale, which is odd because it looked like he was carrying a lot less mass. Maybe, uh, I don't know, was it maybe the transitioning from putting on the weight after the weight cut was rough? Uh, maybe they didn't fill out as well? I don't know. Maybe it has to do with Utah and the, the replenishment after, I think, um, has taken the toll. More so than the drug aspect, Mark. Right, 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 right. And I, I, I personally thought that UFC 200 was good in so many, uh, so many different ways, and so many things that they did, they did wrong. Which the yellow mat looked like piss. It was the worst production and worst like um, visual I had to see. And the octagon looked weird. It looked like King of the Cage back in like 2001. Awkward. And the big screen sure. too. And I, I was in, I was in my, uh, my friend's house. We were watching. That big screen. Looked just, you know, it, it was basic. It, you know, it wasn't anything special like the huge projector on the octagon. You know, it was very basic. It was very primitive. And um, yeah. as far as the fights are concerned, Brock Lesnar, everyone knew what you were going to get with Brock Lesnar. They paid him $2.5 million to take Mark Hunt down for three rounds. They, they were paying for <laughs> the marquee value of him as not just him being a great athlete, but they were paying for the fact that people want to see Brock Lesnar at the formula that's always worked. With Ken Shamrock, if you're a WWE guy, you go to UFC, WWE guys will obviously want to watch you fight. Like, it, they, just, they bought him for the name. They didn't buy him for the talent that they're going to bring. And, uh, you know, I, I thought the fights were okay. The fights were great, but nothing compared to UFC 100. It didn't feel like a monumental event. And maybe it's had to do with John Jones and him pissing dirty. And for everybody that didn't, that haven't been keeping up with MMA use, John Jones had to get out of the fight three days before it happened because of pissing dirty. And, Adam, what was your personal opinion on that? My, my opinion is you guys fucked up with taking McGregor out the main event and you put in a guy whose his career for the last three years has been really shaky. He took out McGregor, who's a definite draw, and who you know is going to show up and who's going to be professional and is going to do what he's got to do to get there. You put in fucking John Jones and he fucking pisses dirty and now you're without a main event and you have to put on a way less exciting fight in the main event. No offense to women's MMA, but I don't think... I After after Brock fought or whatever it was before that, I didn't really feel like I needed to watch Misha Tate versus Amanda Nunes. I watched it because 
you know, I'm a fan, but I, I could have realistically just been like, all right, I'm going to go to bed now. I didn't really care about who won that fight. You know, I would have cared if it was John Jones and GC. I would have cared if it was McGregor and Diaz. You know what I mean? And on top of it, the production really wasn't there to support that as the main event. You know, they, they, you know, when it was McGregor and Diaz, there was just so much hype, so much promotion for that fight that, you know, you wanted to tune in. And it's just the last minute you just threw Chase and Nunes in the main event. And it's just like, why do we care? You haven't promoted this. We don't really know what the story is behind this. And I don't know. I, I, I Honestly, when that happened, I was just like, you guys are assholes. You should have let McGregor script that one conference and you would have a legit main event and you would sell an astronomical amount of pay-per-views because you would have had Brock and fucking McGregor on the same card. Yeah, but who know who who would have known that John Jones is gonna piss dirty at him? Like who is who did UFC know that he was gonna piss dirty? He's never done it in his career. Yeah, he has. He was he tested positive for for cocaine before. I mean, yeah, but that's, it's not it's not a PED, but it's it's still pissing dirty. It's the same thing. I mean, I mean it's not the same thing, but it's very similar. You you have to understand that McGregor in the I'm sorry uh, Jones in the last year and a half he's been a fuck up so. I mean, nobody could have guessed it, but when it happened, were you really that surprised? Like, he's been fucking up. Mm. Max, what do you think about John Jones and that whole situation? Did it ruin the event for you? Oh, yeah, it definitely did. Um, especially seeing um, the Cormier versus Anderson fight. And um, just to go back a little, um, yeah, the, the ring did look like the, um, the, old school, <laughs> uh, King of the, the King of the Cage, right? I thought Silva was going to hit um, Cormier with that up elbow via, like, Tony Frickland. He would have brought it back. He would have brought you it back. Flashbacks. Yeah, you man. Especially with the ring. <laughs> it was like an dope. inch off. Just an inch off. Yeah, man. man. And then right after that, Cormier just clinched him. But, yeah, definitely, I would rather saw um, Cormier versus um, Jones. But to see the way Anderson handled it in there, um, I wouldn't – I wouldn't mind seeing a, a rematch at uh, with a full camp. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but seeing as uh, Jones isn't coming back for any time, any time soon, I think at least. Uh, especially you know if he's popped with two substances, he'd be out for probably two years. If you're looking at um, it's a crazy situation. Um, if if he did cheat, you know, boo on him. If it's tainted supplements, we'll see. But I highly doubt it. Hmm. Very very strange stuff, Johnny. What do you think? Um. Honestly, when it comes to this situation right now, I'm on, I'm on the like wait and see kind of thing. I want to know what exactly did he did he pop for? The rumors are it was like estrogen blockers, which you know kind of implicates him for taking steroids, or you know like it's like what you take after you cycle off. But that's all rumors. That's something Chael Sonnen said, and you got to take what Chael says with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, I wouldn't say John Jones and DC being canceled ruined the card for me, but it definitely you know took away from it, and, and the fact that Misha Tate and Amanda Nunez was the main event, on one end, I understood it, it was the only real title fight, so it kind of made sense, but, you know, watching it, like, after the Brock fight, and then, you know, the way that Amanda just steamrolled Misha, it, it felt very anticlimactic, you know, like, the event just kind of abruptly ended, we didn't get a climax, you know, it wasn't like, you know, UFC 100, you had Brock dominating Frank Mir in a two-round, you know, battle, and then just screaming into the cage, and, you know, like, it was epic, you know, and then we have a steamroll of Amanda Nunez, it's like, it felt like, you know, we were waiting for another match to happen, and that never came, 
It kind of left me feeling a little empty inside afterwards. Right, right. And I would have loved if Ronda Rousey came out. Like, yeah, I thought that would have been the perfect climax. If Ronda Rousey came out and said, I'm going to kill you, and, like, she came out, made that big, big comeback, and they announced it, and they set up something for MSG. It did feel very anticlimactic. Um, even even Cormier, I feel bad for Cormier, too. He took a pay cut. He was supposed to make a million dollars, and he only made 500000 And here, here's the thing, too, and this is why people were booing the shit out of him. Anderson Silva, at one point in time, had Daniel Cormier rocked with a kick. Did you see that, Adam? Yeah, of course. I mean, listen, Silva is a fucking Jedi when it comes to mixed martial arts. Like, there's no other way to explain it. He hadn't been training. He hadn't been preparing for a fight in any form. And the things that he was doing in that fight, in you know the small periods where, where it was stood up, um, it was just, it was incredible. Like, first of all, DC is like, like he looked a foot smaller than, than fucking uh, Silva. And Silva was ducking under his fucking hooks. It was just incredible. Like, he was just, I remember DC swung a hook and Silva literally ducked under it and just popped back up like old school Silva. And it, it was just amazing. It was awesome to see. And I think that's why, you know, Max is here saying like, yo, if Silva had a full camp, maybe he could beat DC. And I kind of agree with that. Like, if Silva had a full camp, I think it would it would be a more competitive fight. You know, five rounds. I think there's a possibility there that he could finish DC. That was incredible. Even those little few seconds, those few spurts where you got to see Silva stand up and, and, and do what he does, even though he hasn't been training, it was just, it was incredible for me to see that. Yeah. And Anderson Silva is always going to be a fucking legend. He's always going to be dangerous. Any opponent. And this was with two days' notice. And he hurt and rocked the light heavyweight champion of the world. I think that's why the, the, the light heavyweight division is fucked. Because if, if John Jones doesn't come back, Daniel Cormier is always that champion who can never beat John Jones. And whoever beats Daniel Cormier, they'll always fail in comparison to Johnny Bone Jones. Max, is the light heavyweight division completely fucked, fucked like a $12 hooker? Um... <clears throat> Uh, I um I don't know I really don't know I mean if if Cormier beats and breaks John's record so far at light um lightweight we have to see how impressive it is we'll have to stack his resume against John's resume and see because just because he beats the number we're gonna have to see in the fashion if if it's decisions the whole the whole way through um don't get me wrong Jones has a bunch of decisions during his title reign. Rain, but he, he, he ran through everybody, and he decides to beat everybody. So um, you're just going to have to stack up the resume, and it's, it's hard to say now. Right, right. And, uh, John, what do you think? Do you think uh, John Jones never comes back, and then there's a stigma throughout the light heavyweight division? Is it unrepairable? Does Sean Jones come back? Like, do you see again? What, what's the best-case scenario for the UFC to do? Um, honestly, I you know, DC says his – his legacy is kind of reliant on beating John Jones, but I, I, I really don't think he needs to do that. Like Max was saying, if he goes on a dominant title run where he just continues doing what he does, he, he's been a dominant fighter from the get-go, even in his heavyweight career. And if he just continues doing that and he just defends his title and if John Jones has gone for two years and he's just tearing it up, people will kind of forget about John Jones and, and recognize DCS champion. I mean, I know it's a little different, but, like, DSP, he left and other people took the title, and they didn't quite question those those people as champions because Lawler 
got the belt eventually, and he's been going on a tear, and he's been showing himself as a true champion. Now, if DC can continue doing that, I think he'll be viewed as a true champion. But to also bring it back a little bit, I think DC has been dealt an unfair card. I mean, he gets booed when he's, like, at press conferences with John Jones and then the whole Anderson situation. I don't think he was being booed because of his tactics as much as the, the crowd itself decided we want Anderson to win. We picked our guy. It was it was relentlessly at Anderson Silva crowd since since it was announced as the, the replacement. It's been very pro Anderson, and unfortunately, you know, DC was viewed as the bad guy, and, and it wasn't like oh we're booing you because you're taking him down. We're booing you because now Anderson doesn't have an opportunity to finish. They, the fans recognized that if Anderson was going to win, it was in his opportunities to strike with him which was too few and far between. And you see, for a smart game plan, and, you know, he did what he needed to. Yeah, much kudos to Anderson. I have a question before we change subjects. Um, I'm going to state my point, and I, I want to hear what you guys think. Personally, I think that DC is the undisputed champ. I don't think that there's any discrepancies there. I feel like at this point I am totally over John Jones. I'm over his fake crying crying at the press conference where he had to leave for a little bit with his publicist, and she pretty much was like, yo, when we go back out there, you got to cry. And then he came back and started crying. He didn't look like he was going to cry before he fucking left with his publicist. I'm totally over that guy. I don't care if you say he never lost. It doesn't matter. He lost to himself. He lost. In my opinion, he lost at UFC 200 because he lost to himself. His team lost. Whoever's giving him advice lost. I am totally over that guy after this, like, fiasco that just happened. Um, I'm, I understand John's point of view where he's like, you know, I don't want to judge him yet. I don't want to hear what's going on. But it, it doesn't matter. He did something. He did something stupid. He's at the highest level of the game. You can't be making mistakes like that. And I'm just over him. And I just I feel like DC is the champ. That's it. There's no questions about it. He carries himself like a champ. He does what he needs to do. And I don't know. I, I guess I want to hear your guys' point of view. Are you guys... Do you guys feel the same way as I do? Are you guys over John Jones yet? How do you feel about this? Max, you can go first. All right, sure. Um, as of now, I mean, after what just occurred, I do agree that um, <clears throat> DC is the champ right now. I mean, especially John, it looks like he's going to be gone for two years. It, the, the, every division moves on. Uh, just, just like the welterweight division, like you mentioned, it, it's moved on. So I think the light heavyweight division will move on. They'll get a another great champion in, in the likes of Daniel Cormier, and we'll see how far he can take it. And, uh, he, you know, he is getting up there in age, so um, we'll see. And hopefully, I, I still think, you know, Silva deserves a rematch. So that might take things on, up at like Max, the question is, are you over John Jones, or are you still backing him? That's my question. Oh, am I backing him? No, I, I just said earlier, if he took something to cheat, of course, you know, that's 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 messed up, and he should get two years suspension. I don't care about cheaters at all. So, um, but the thing is, it's it's like um, I have to wait and see what they say because if you, if you if it's a, ta- a tainted uh, something he's taken that really was tainted, um, even though you know he was doing that that weightlifting thing, so it looks suspicious. If it's tainted, I, I gotta believe him. If not, you know, screw him. <laughs> John, John, are you completely done with John Jones? Um. I don't know. I, I I can't honestly say I was ever really keen John Jones. I mean, ever since he he laid that epic ass whooping on Shogun, I kind of kind of hated him a little bit. You know, just <laughs> he, he, 
<laughs> truly and utterly beat like my favorite light heavyweight for himself. But with with that said, I mean, I don't know, man. How many chances can we give John Jones? I mean, just reflect back. There's the whole he didn't accept the fight with Chael, and then UFC 151 was canceled. Then you have him crashing his like car into a, a telephone pole with two females that were not his fiance. You know, and then you have him crashing his car. Or, or first, I, I don't know which happened first. I'm guessing the coke incident. You have him pissing hot for coke, you know, out of competition, <laughs> whatever you want to consider it. Either way, he's, he's, you know, doing some extra stuff. Then you have him crashing into a pregnant woman, fleeing the incident, but first coming back and then taking money. And now you have this. Like, how many chances are we going to give John Jones? Um, I, I don't know if I could believe him when he's, you know, I don't know if he's genuinely apologetic about these situations. You're like, you, you watch his interviews with DC when they're, they're having that face-off with Joe Rogan where they have, like, a, just a conversation about, you know, DC talks about how his past and how, and is he going to get over this? And as as John Jones explains himself and says, like, you know, I reached rock bottom, he, he speaks with a smirk on his face as if it's, it's just a game to him. And I, I don't, like, I don't want to view John Jones as a bad person, but I just don't know what, you know, what's, this man's really capable of. Like, is he remorseful? Is does he really care that he's doing wrong things? Like, and it's pretty funny because I believe Dana White, the night he John Jones won the belt, was he, he stated that the only person who's going to beat John Jones is John Jones, and it, it seems to be you know absolutely true. Yeah, yeah, and John, I completely agree with you, and and for a couple of reasons too. I, you know, I met John Jones, and he's a great guy. He's he's a super cool guy. And, you know, he's, he's a cool cat, and that, that's what I have to say about him. But the problem is with John Jones is he's been in the spotlight since he was a kid. And relatively, you know, as soon as he got out of college, he, was, he, he got his wife pregnant. And then he started his uh, MMA career. He trained with Team Bomb Squad at the New York, and he went to the UFC, and he, he fought on UFC 100. And here's a young guy I see with his mom sick and everybody like that. Brothers are all off doing their own things in football. This is a kid without any adult supervision. And when I say that, because everybody in his corner all have something at stake of him succeeding. So if he succeeds, they all make money. So it's very hard to say no to the guy that's feeding you. Especially if you have a boss or anybody like that you know is a fuck-up. It's very hard to say, hey, man, you are a giant fuck-up and you need to change your ways. Because he's the guy that makes you eat. He's the guy that puts food on your table. So he's surrounded all by yes-men. You have a kid pretty much running the show. Same thing with fucking Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber's an asshole, but it's not his fault considering, you know, his parents all rely on him too because they were all poor shit before Justin Bieber hit it big. John Jones has had no adult supervision, no one to guide him in the right direction. And his coaches even said, hey, we're not his dad. We're here to train him, get paid, go to uh, bring him to the octagon, help him win so he get paid some more. Like John Jones, I'm, I'm not over John Jones. I'm over the fact that he hasn't grown up yet. He's now, he's now 29 years old. He needs to guess, really – yeah, what's up? I mean, I got to disagree with you on, on the parenting issue. I think John Jones has – I mean, look at his family, the pedigree of his family. You got both of his brothers are Super Bowl champions. You cannot tell me that their mother and dad was not there for them and was not a part of their lives when you have three extremely successful children, all of them that excel at every – well, not everything, but at their specific sports, and all of them are making million dollars. You cannot tell me that John Jones' parents were not there and they were not, you know, good parents 
in in some shape or form. It just it doesn't make sense. I think John Jones, he's just he's just kind of like a bad seed, and I think he's like if you look at John Jones, he's always kind of had like a two faced characteristic. There was just one time where he was on this Jesus religious binge. You guys remember that when he was always like, oh, you know, yeah. I'm a god, and blah 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 blah. And then you turn around and you're like crashing your car with two girls in it and you're doing cocaine and you're doing all this crazy shit. It's like, yo, you're two-faced. You're kind of a bad guy. You know what I mean? People liked you because you you, you preached the whole Jesus thing and you were a good fighter. But you're kind of a bad guy, dude. You're kind of a bad guy. That's it. Nobody's a really... I got... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was doing... I just real quick, I just got to agree with uh, Adam on his beginning point. You look at... John Jones' brothers, uh, Chandler and Arthur, I believe their names are, and you do not hear anything about them in TMZ, nothing nothing negative at least. Maybe when they got their Super Bowl victories, they got little interviews here and there, but you don't hear about them crashing cars. You don't hear about them partying, doing coke, testing positive or anything. Why exactly, out of the three of them, is John Jones the fuck up? What's going on with that? Why, like, what went wrong with him? It, it, it can't be the parenting. It has to be something within John Jones where – he just either doesn't care or he's just absent-minded or, like, you know, his brothers are just phenomenal athletes and, you know, according to, like, what we know them, just phenomenal people. Then you got John Jones. What, what's up with him? Max, um, is John Jones an asshole? It, um, I think he, it's part of him being an asshole and it's part of him being an asshole because he gets different type of attention his brothers don't get. You have to think about it. His brother plays on, on teams where half the game they might not even be on the field. So um, they don't get the type of endorsements. And if they do get endorsements, it's team endorsements. Um, it, and also, if they are on some type of commercial, it's not their face. They're probably wearing a helmet. Most people don't even know how football players even look without their helmets. They know them by their names and the jersey numbers. So um, John Jones, his face is out there. So like you said, uh, he has a team around him that's focused on him, whereas his brothers has a team where you have to be a team player. So it isn't about just you, you, you. So that's why he yeah. has a different type of fame. So his mentality is it brings that asshole out of him. I'm not going to say he's not an asshole. He's, I mean, through all the stuff we've been through, especially you guys talking about, you know, the practice stuff, he definitely is one. So um, I think it's just a different type of fame that's, that's changed him and brought him this way as opposed to going around his mother's way. Okay. Final, thought, final thoughts about – Final thoughts about UFC 200 before we go to MMA trivia, before Max has to depart too, to celebrate him and his girlfriend's four-year anniversary. Congratulations, Max, by the way. Hey, congrats, Max. Well, thank you. Thank you. It was actually yesterday. We both forgot. It's okay, though. Woo! Very nice. Very nice. So final thoughts on UFC 200. Um, I say it was an average show for being a regular UFC show. I don't think it was really a landmark event. I don't think it was anything special. I thought it was a good event, but it wasn't. It's just like the Phantom Menace of Star Wars. You know, the Phantom Menace, if it was not associated with Star Wars, would be an all right movie. But because it has that Star Wars name and has that marquee value, Ooh. I think that's why it falls square of the mark. So, uh, Adam, what do you think? Final thoughts on UFC 200? Um, UFC 200 was, you know, if we could give it a, you know, A, B, C, or D, I would give it a, I'd give it a B. Just wow. a flat B. Whoa. Goddamn, Max. Yeah, I'd give it, um, damn, Adam just killed it, but <laughs> I'll give it like a, a, a C plus maybe, a, a B minus. Ooh. Ooh. Max, Max so cold. Really? Oh. Plus? Yeah, bro. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, the main card was just felt like out of everything was out of place and out of order and weird by the end of it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, the prelims I mean, felt more put together because it was something that was um, the least changed out of the card, I guess. It, it yeah, had more thought behind it. I agree. And I think that Joanna Young Jacek versus Claudia Gadella would have been a better main event than oh, Amanda Yeah, yeah that, that that could be considered fight of the year. I mean, just oh, from yeah. beginning to end, you have just Claudia taking over and then Joanna oh, pulling man. through like a champion. That was that's why I said before, I mean, I think the, the two previous cards were better. You know, like, just Talking. look at the title fights and the two previous cards. But, John, what grade do you give it? Um, Like I said before, man, I would give it, like, a, a B or a B minus. Honestly, it wasn't a bad card. If you just look at it, you know, objectively as a card, not terrible. But it's when you view it as UFC 200, it was supposed to be this phenomenal, you know, show of what MMA has become. And, you know, like... Yeah, there were some good MMA matches in there, but it was very, you know, mediocre. You know, there was no, there was no really – there was few, only a couple of few shining moments, you know. And when you come into a card that's UFC 200, the Super Bowl, the whatever you want to call it, you know, like the, the, the biggest show that we'll have until UFC 300 or, or, you know, maybe UFC New York will be crazy. But, yeah, like you come into that with high expectations and – you know, that's not fair to the UFC exactly because my expectations are going to be crazy high, but it honestly didn't meet my expectations. Gotcha. All right, so before Max leaves, because we call MMA, uh, we call uh, Max the MMA genius with a, with a hundred-foot penis. So, like, I want to put everybody's minds to the test. And if you listeners at home, please have a pen and pad handy because right now it's going to be time for MMA trivia. Max, are you ready? Wait, wait, wait. No cheating. I was no bored. Google. No Google. No Google. Yeah, explain the rules real quickly. I just want to know how I'm going to make my answers. Well, like, these questions are pretty uh, pretty adverse, and they're pretty um, – I, I would, I would, yeah, I think you could use Google or Wikipedia or use some extra help. What do you say so, Adam? No, no, no. no I'm going to just use my head. I don't, I don't want any extra help. I just want to know, am I going to just blurt out my answer? How, how are we going about delivering answers? All right, so the rules are – the rules are <coughs> we have a Facebook Messenger, which is – Pretty much 90% more entertaining than this show. I wish people could listen in. Um, hashtag Top Game Strong. I wish people could actually listen to that and watch that message. <laughs> Fucking hilarious. And I wish we could post transcripts to show you guys how hilarious our messenger conversation is. So what I want you guys to do <laughs> is when you guys have the right answer, say, I got an answer. Be the first one to do it. That way I know who uh, has the first answer. And we're going to test your knowledge. And we're going to find out just who is the smartest on this show with a little MMA trivia. Adam, are you ready? Yeah, I'm in. Johnny, are you ready? I'm ready. Maximilian, are you ready? I was born ready. It's Ooh. time to play Drunk MMA Trivia. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we start with our very first question. And guys, be on your Facebook Messenger. Do not send any dick pics, Adam. I'm going to be watching you, sir. And get ready to answer when you guys have the correct answer. Now it's time for question number one. Okay, so question number one. (laughs) Question number one is, this UFC legend was a sergeant in the Army before starting his prominent MMA career. I know, I know, I know. I know. Adam? Adam? Is it uh, Tim Kennedy? 
No. Fuck. No, I got it. Max, Max, Max. I got it. Uh, go ahead, Max. Brian said. No. What? <laughs> this guy yeah, was, was a UFC legend too, but, and heavyweight. Um, if it, if, if, can oh, I, I got this. Can, can I just say Randy Couture? Yeah! Ah, he got it. Hey, hold on. Tim Kennedy was definitely in the army, though, correct? No, no, yeah, Tim, Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy was a, a Green Beret. That oh is... fuck! Sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what Brian Stan was. Well done, Johnny, with the first question. Jesus Christ! All right, so wait, Johnny hold on. Right I think has... we. So, you know so what? We're, we're, we're completely throwing answers. throwing the chat out the window. I see, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Sergeant Adam, Sergeant in the Army. UFC legend, Hall of Famer, you know, like, you know, mm, pretty much yeah. Sergeant yeah, yeah. in the Army. We, we were oh. Okay, so now we go on to question number two. Okay, question number two, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, please be by your Facebook Messenger, ready to answer. This famous MS. No laughing. This famous MMA announcer was also featured in games Bloody Roar and Marvel vs. Capcom. Uh, <laughs> I'm stuck. Wait, wait. John has an answer. Who is it? Is it, is it Bruce Buffer? No. He's <laughs> that, Is it Jimmy Martinez? <laughs> It's gonna be guys. You may use Google if you need to. Is it is it Spider Man? Mm, no. Ah uh, fuck. Um I wish I had more hands. So I could give those titties four thumbs down. <laughs> okay, we need an answer. Bill Gobert? Shoot in the dark. Mike Gobert? No. Is it an announcer like, you know, Bruce Buffer, or is it a commentator like Joe Rogan? Famous announcer. She, famous announcer. He or she was a famous MMA announcer, but she was also oh, featured uh, in the games doing voice work for Bloody Roar and Marvel. I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, I got it. I got it. I'm going to say Lenny Hardit, the, the pride kid. Oh, Johnny with the answer. <laughs> UFC announcer, though. I said MMA announcer. All right. We're going to listen back at the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought it her as soon as up, you man, said it. <laughs> and Lena Hart, Hardy was actually the announcer for Pride Fighting Championships. She was the screaming Pride lady, ladies and gentlemen. Which, Max, you should have known that because we talked about exactly. her all the time. Exactly. Come on, Max. Re- really disappointed in you, Max. Oh, Come on. Okay, so now we go to question number three. All right, guys, be by your Facebook Messenger. Adam, I hope you're still drinking your alcohol. Are you? Yep. Very good. (laughs) Okay, so now we go to question number three. In 2002, up until its time, this this event set the all-time attendance record for the biggest MMA event ever. In 2002... Up until its time, it set up the biggest attendance record ever. Um, it was Pride at Saitama. Uh, uh, 
the Tama Arena. Mm, do we have we need a name for it. Um we can say shockwave. Oh, say shockwave. Shockwave. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> The event was called Shockwave in America, but also it was known as Shockwave in America. It featured Bill Goldberg as the guest announcer, also featured Bob Staff and Antonio Nogueira. It was also called in Japan K1 slash Pride Dynamite, and also featured at Tokyo the Tokyo Arena that they held the Olympics. Max, very good, sir. Thank you. Well done, Adam. So, Adam, you got you got to get on the scoreboard, man. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, I'm not. These questions aren't favoring me right now. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. I told you I was gonna test your knowledge, but now this is anybody's game. Gonna get, this is gonna heat up. Cause now we get to question number four. What question four? Here we go. So, this UFC icon, a heavyweight prominent fighter with mixed in controversy when he was accused of throwing a fight in Japan. And please message on Messenger so I know who has the answer. Wait, can you repeat the question? Yes. This UFC icon and heavyweight, prominent heavyweight with mixed in controversy when he was accused of throwing a fight in Japan. Max? You said you had an answer first. What is it? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, you said UFC. Oh, shit. You got me something at the end. Um, you said I'm going to go with Josh Barnett. Did you say no. Pride or UFC? No. John, what is your answer? Um, honestly, I didn't have a real answer. I just saw Max. I'm going to take an absolutely shot in the dark, and I'm going to go with uh, Gilbert Ivel. No, 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 no. This is a prominent UFC icon and heavyweight that was accused of throwing a fight in Japan. And I'll give you another hint. It was right. It was 1999, 2000, and it was a huge controversy. Adam, do you have an answer? Oh, no, wait, wait. Never mind. I was going to say Bob Sass, but he he never quite made it. Wait, wait, wait. wait, Adam, Adam. Adam? Adam? He fought in UFC and he fought in Japan, heavyweight. On uh, UFC and Pride. Wait, wait, wait. Was he Brazilian? No, no, no. Adam. <laughs> Everyone's oh, silent. I'm Adam. Gonna go, I'm going to go Wanderlei. No, 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 no. Oh. John, what is your answer? I'm going to go with Kenneth Shamrock. No, 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 no. This happened... UFC icon and heavyweight was accused of throwing a oh, fight in I, Japan. Come on, guys. Oh, heavyweight, heavyweight. I got this, um, I got this. Is it Akibodo? Is it Bob No, <laughs> no, no, no. He was a UFC icon and heavyweight. He was a UFC heavyweight before Mark he went to Japan. Wait, who said that? Me. Who I are you? Said, I said Mark Coleman. Adam. Is it Mark Coleman, the hammer? Adam! Adam, did you say that? Yeah, I said Bob Sapp. No! <laughs> Who said fucking Mark Coleman, asshole? Yo, yo, I said it. I said it. John, you did? I did. The hammer? You yeah. Yo, fuck you. Yo, what fight was he accused of throwing? Okay, so 
Mark Mark Coleman was accused of throwing a fight in Japan when he fought Nobuhiko Takada. And the reason being is because Mark Coleman, when he was accused of this, said a guy's got to eat. And that's how he was able to get a good seating in the 2000 Grand Prix of Japan of Pride. So, yes, that mm. is the prominent UFC heavyweight and icon. Nixon controversy when he was accused of throwing a fight in Japan. It was indeed Mark Coleman. You should have said UFC, ex-former UFC heavyweight champion. That would have never been done. Oh, I please. I said UFC icon and heavyweight. Come You're on. You're a champion. You're a shitty host. That's why we're not. No, so I didn't think he was a champion. <laughs> <Are> you, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Adam, hold on one second, Adam. You're accusing me of being a shitty host because you're not answering any of the questions correctly. Yo, you're mm. fixing the questions so John can win. <laughs> I mean, I mean, get on my level. You're on my level. Max, Max is a little bit on my level, but Adam, <laughs> you're not earning your your value here right now. Yeah, I'm far uh, behind. I'm really far behind. Oh my god. Okay, so this is gonna be the final question, ladies and gentlemen. And of course, wait. Johnny's up by three. Max has wait, is one. Wait, uh, we will, you will. Hey, Johnny, would you want would you want to wager? And say that um, double or nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah make make this question uh, valuable. Make make it worth. Yeah, make make it worth people. So maybe maybe make a, a final death question. So next guess it, we can have like a, a a final battle. Yeah, that'd be dope. Okay, so what we, we can do is make up a question on the fly. <laughs> if you are willing, Johnny. And of course, it's all if you're willing, of course. He said yes. Yeah, like already. I asked my prom date when I was 17. If you're willing to go double or nothing <laughs> and bet all three answers correctly on this one question and put the game on the line of who answers this question correctly, if you're willing to do that, then we'll make this thing interesting. Question five will be for all the marbles. What do you say, Johnny? Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Okay. All right, perfect. Now we have a game, ladies and gentlemen. And Adam has a chance of winning. So let's jump. You know, yeah. I, I personally, despite you know who goes the the answer to the the group chat first, I want Adam to answer the question first. <laughs> All right, I'm down with that. Oh, that's very yeah, good. Adam, go for it. Okay. Okay, let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. This is for all the marbles, and this is gonna be the final question number five. Let's make a baby. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, this is for all the marbles. And this is also for Adam's marbles. Adam will get the first chance at this question. So please silence while Adam uses his noggin. And please, Adam, put on your imaginary thinking cap. It's going to be a challenging one. Are you ready, Adam? I'm fucking ready. Let's do this. Come on. Okay, trying to build up tension. Don't mind me, Adam. Ladies and gentlemen, question number five. <laughs> I'm using my announcer voice, which is a deep, deep whisper. Question number five. Who was the first UFC heavyweight champion busted and stripped of his championship for getting caught with steroids? Adam, what is your answer? Ah, oh, fuck. First UFC champion to be busted. You are five seconds. Four. Um, three. I didn't want to go two, first. One. Kachama. Ah! I, I, 
Okay, John said answer first. So, John, what is your answer? Um, can I get the question again real quickly? Was it heavyweight or just any UFC champion? Oh, no, no, no. It was. I'm going to go on my announcer voice, my sweet, sultry, sexy, whispering voice. Who was the first UFC heavyweight champion of the world? Busted and stripped of his championship for being on the juice. I'm going to go with... I got to go with the baby face assassin, Josh Barnett. Oh! John is your winner, ladies and gentlemen. Max, Hold on. What was your answer? Just, wanna, just a, just a amazing, John Barnett. Made. I said it earlier, too. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I, when he, I had to double check if he said heavyweight. But I'm like, <laughs> and, you know, I have to make sure to use his former nickname when he got busted. No, he wasn't the war master yet. He was the babyface yeah, assassin. The babyface assassin. Baby assassin. Ladies and gentlemen, our winner of the night, Johnny. Here's Johnny. Congratulations, Johnny. I'm gonna, I, mean, I, wanna, I wanna share this victory with Max since you know you know what I knew he had the right answer to. I just <laughs> I, I, you know like I, I wrote answer into the chat quickly. You know, preemptively and, you know, just to get the win, but I, I, knew, yeah, I knew you well, were on the same page as me, Matt. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I want to share this victory with you. Uh, and happy, anniversary. I'm a, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. I'm going to let you finish, John, but Beyonce had the best video of all time. I'm just saying. Ain't gonna lie. You ain't going to lie. Hey, Max, Max ladies and <laughs> is about to celebrate his anniversary dinner. I wish you and the missus a wonderful dinner. Max, enjoy your anniversary. Tell the missus I said hello. Ladies and gentlemen, signing off now. Enjoying his birthday dinner, and I will be praying for her tonight. It is the MMA genius with a 200-foot peak. Ladies and gentlemen, Max! Uh, the drug Potter signed off. It's, it's always beautiful. Thank you, Potter. Thanks, guys. No See you guys, man. Yo, it's a pleasure having you on, like always. Thanks for being here, man, and enjoy your uh, your anniversary dinner. Thanks, Adam. Enjoy. Yeah, man. Enjoy enjoy the shared victory with me and enjoy your anniversary, man. Oh, definitely. I don't know which one's bigger, the shared victory or the anniversary. Just don't tell my girl. I mean, all right. since, we're, since we're, we're live on air, let's say it's the anniversary, but we, we all know the truth. Either way, you're know. sharing. You're sharing the anniversary and you're sharing the victory, so it doesn't matter. This is true. Can I just say something to you, Potter? You lied to us because you said, oh, these questions are going to be super modern, things that happened recently, and you fucking <laughs> lied. You did lie, mean? Potter. Not, not one of those questions was modern. They were all very 10 to, to 14 years ago. Yeah, you dick. I was like, I was like 10 when these things were Wait, Randy Couture is pretty recent. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. What was the question format? You asked you asked about his history as a sergeant. When the fuck was Randy Couture a sergeant? In the fucking eighties? Eighties. Who's counting? You know? <laughs> when did Josh Barnett get busted for steroids? The the late nineties, early two thousands? Uh, two thousand two. Again, that is not modern. That is that is over ten years ago. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry. But I, mean, I, 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 I mean, I won. I mean, I know my shit, but, you know, Adam does have a point. You claim to present us with modern questions, and uh, 
those are all a decade old or, or even more so. Yeah. Can I just say? Can I just say I was I was like eleven when that happened, and I don't know I don't know how you expect me to remember that. I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel like, like you're kind of I feel like you're indirectly calling me old right now, and I think I only have like two, three years. You're your seniors, so you know. Not at all. Like, just you know, learn yourself some MMA. You know, like when you're eleven, like you're a dumbass and you play with toys and you watch cartoons, and then like when you're fifteen, you're like, nah, I'm a real nigga. I'm watching sports now. You know, like <laughs> no nigga. <laughs> I, I was definitely still playing with toys at 15. <laughs> oh, come on, guys, come on! It was good questions. And John, you won. Why? Why do you? Why are you? Why are you busting my balls? You won, John. And you knew all the. I'm just speaking the questions. facts. I'm just speaking the facts. There is evidence that the questions are, or you claim that them to be modern. They were not modern. I'm just. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I knew my shit. I knew my shit, but. Adam has a point. You promised him modern questions. Just keep that in mind for next time. All right. Sounds good. I'm so sorry. And, and, and I'm, a, I'm a real nigga, and I refuse to use Google, so I was just standing there like a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. No, no. I don't think any of us use Google, man. I mean, I think we were just, just fucking freeballing it. Yeah, dude, I like balling. that. I like that. We we definitely have to do this again. And uh, we'll have someone else come up with the questions next time. I think John will come up with questions. Or Adam, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, I mean, all right, maybe I'll do the question. I won this round, so as champion, I'll step down as a, a contender and I'll present the question. That makes sense. Oh, very, that good. very good idea. Very good idea. But speaking about modern MMA, well, remember how we were talking about a couple of weeks ago that the UFC was actually getting sold? And we all laughed about it, like, oh, it's probably not going to get sold. Who, who the fuck cares? And if it does, whatever. It actually did get sold for $4 billion. And, uh, Dana White was complaining up and down and saying, no, it's not getting sold. I'm going to sue everybody and sue all the media sites. And they all took out on their news stories and they said they're going to sue Flow Wrestling or whatever posted. But the fact is, UFC actually got sold for $4 billion and the Fertitas are actually out. And I mentioned all these questions, and that was during the Fertita era. Now we're entering into a new era after UFC 200. Do you think that the Fertitas in their casino-type mind state we're just cashing out because just like they do with casinos and they were just trying to get out before the Muhammad Ali law passes and before this lawsuit actually goes into effect and all this fun stuff, were they cashing out for a reason or they just want to step down and just want $4 billion? Is there some undersigning issue, Adam, of why this actually happened and now the reality is the Fertitas are no longer the owner of UFC? I mean, I think... I hate to say I told you so, but when we spoke about this last 100%, it's a real possibility that the UFC is being sold. And, and a couple people disagreed with me. I think even you, Potter, yourself, you were like, no way they're going to sell. And I said, yeah, 100%, 100% they're going to sell for $4 billion. Because you, you have the – I mean, the Fertitas are already really rich, you know. But you have the opportunity to sell UFC for the same price that Disney bought the Star Wars franchise for $4 billion. I mean, can you get more set for life than that? Can you? I mean, why the fuck not? Like, the Fertitas, I don't know their ages. They're they're probably 50-something, pushing 60. Who the fuck wants to continue to work and own, a, own an organization in their 60s going into their 70s? These guys are billionaires, maybe even multi-billionaires now, they don't have to worry about shit. Their kids don't have to worry about shit. Their kids' kids don't worry, have to worry about shit. I mean, they're set for life. I think that, I don't know if this was a move based on, you know, new legislation coming in because, 
as long as there's money and as long as there's lobbyists, you can stall bills for years and years, and you can even stop them from happening, period. And, you know, the UFC definitely has the money behind it to, to do things like that. So I don't know if it's, if it's that. I think it's just, wow, I'm 50-something. I bought this for $2 million. I have the opportunity to sell it for $4 billion, the same amount that George Lucas sold Star Wars for. Why the fuck not? Why not live the rest of my life extremely rich and never have to worry about a thing again? I, I think that's what it's about. John, what do you think about the wholesale? Does it kill your childhood? Do you think it was a smart move? Like, what, what do you think about the wholesale? In your personal opinion. I mean, honestly, how do you turn down 4.5, 4.2? How do you turn down $4 billion? Split between uh, three. I mean, I'm sure other people were profited from this deal, but, you know, from the, the direct owners, Dana White, Lorenzo, and Frank Fertitta, how do you turn down $4 billion? Um, I, I just honestly don't see how. And they're not even out of the game yet. They, they're they minority owners now. They're still involved in the UFC. Um, I, I'm not sure if this was confirmed or not, but allegedly um, Dana White will be still president for the next five years, and he's he might be making upwards to like $300 million with this contract he signed for the, the whole five-year deal. Um, and, you know, like they, they accomplished a lot. They bought the UFC for... Two million and they made four billion from it. That's that's amazing. That that's something that is like uh, you you take a business class that should be mentioned. You know, like investments. You know how you can make upwards to four billion from a two million investment. Um, I, I don't know where the UFC is gonna go from here. I don't know what the new you know majority owners are gonna do exactly. I mean, the UFC has been running amazingly for the past close to twenty years. You know, under Zufa. I don't know where you take from here other than, you know, international markets, you know, hit China, all, all that. But I'm sure, like, we're, us, the consumer, we're not going to see much change immediately. I think the new owners are going to keep things pretty, you know, you know, like, you know, status quo. You know, nothing's going to dramatically change. But one thing I do hope, you know, dramatically changes is, is fighter pay. Uh, I, right. saw, uh, I, I saw T.J. Dillashaw, former Bantamweight champion, defending champion, Making like some like fifty and fifty, some something like disrespectful to him, and I, I don't know. Maybe he gets some sort of other bonuses in the contract, but that just shouldn't be. And then like just the overall pay scale should should increase. I mean, if the company's worth four billion, why 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 are the fighters getting paid pennies? Yeah, I'm. You're the expert on this. Do you think that's the one thing that they need to change? is uh, I have a different perspective. I think Dana White should be phased out because Dana White is not going to live forever, and um, they need someone that actually is willing to put themselves out there and become a president and learn how the business model. This is pretty much putting a Band-Aid on a flesh wound, adopting Dana White as the president, because now you're saying, okay, Dana White is the only one that knows how to operate this business and the only one that actually has the passion for this business. I would have I let Dana White be a co-president or like a co-chairman, put in a new chairman, so we actually, or a younger chairman, so Dana White could actually teach him how the business operates and what the business is all about. Like, a Scott Coker is no Dana White or anything like that. Like, I would have phased out Dana White with this deal, but Max, I mean, not, not Max, Adam, what do you think about this? Uh, what changes need to go down? Um, fire pay, of course, needs to change, but, like, what do you think the changes you want to see with this whole uh, merger or this whole uh, buyout, rather? I mean, I disagree with you. I think when you think about the face of the UFC, regardless of who the fighters are, the face of the UFC is Dana White. 
You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people don't even know about the Fertitta brothers. People know who Dana White is, you know? He's, he's the actual, he's the actual, there's people that'll, that'll be like, yo, who owns the UFC? And they'll be like, oh, Dana White owns it. You know what I mean? He's the actual face of the UFC. And he's been running things smoothly. He, he's been the guy to to bring it, you know, from for the most part, from where it was to now. Him and uh, I believe Lorenzo were, were the main, you know, key factors and, and the guys running the business. So I think that to keep Dana White in charge makes 100% sense. It makes a lot of sense. And, and you would be foolish to think that, you know, they're just keeping Dana White in charge and they're not having somebody shadow Dana White or, or watch him and, and learn the business. That's just, that's going to come. You're going to see a new guy like that. Sometimes when, when Dana White isn't there at the post-fight press conference, they have that, they have that other short guy that's like weird looking. Yeah. Dave, I, usually it's like J- Dave Scholler or some shit. Yeah. They have that guy kind of doing things. And I would be surprised if they didn't have one of their own guys kind of shadowing Dana White and, and doing some of those, you know, those lesser important cards like a fight night doing the post-fight press conference, you know, one of their guys. It's going to happen. It's going to happen little by little. It's, it's a process. You know what I mean? You don't fucking, you know, this is a business. You don't, you don't rip out a central figure and then just put new blood in there. It just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? You, you have the central figure there. You put somebody new under him to learn over a few years, four or five years, and then when Dana White's ready to go, this new guy takes over, and that's how it works. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm like a business master or anything because I'm far from it, but I, I dabble in stocks. And if I can buy a stock for five dollars and sell it for ten, that's a huge fucking deal. You know what I mean? So when you buy a fucking two million dollar company and sell it for four billion dollars, it's a it's a big big fucking deal. Like it's huge. Your return is insane. Like it's it's literally a dream come true. So I think the new guys that that are in charge now, they know what they're doing. They know that Dana White knows what he's doing. They're going to have people under Dana White learning from him to take over in the future, or maybe they'll take over in the future. Who knows? And I think it's the right move. Um, as far as changes, I agree with John. I've been I've been the person who's, since the beginning of the podcast, that always asked about fighters' pay and how hard it is and what kind of advantages come with, with more pay and less pay. And, you know, fighter pay needs to increase, man. You have guys out there that are literally some of the best fighters in the planet making fucking peanuts like T.J. Dillashaw. Like Cowboy Cerrone, he's one of the biggest names in the UFC. He makes a hundred grand for a fight. It's, he should make more than that. You know what I mean? Um, there's a lot of guys out there that, that should be making a lot of money. Right, right. But um, that's uh, that's. By the way, just a side note: Dave Schaller is the biggest pussy ever. You know, can we all agree on that? Like you saw him, you saw him uh, when he tried to break up the John Jones Daniel Cormier fight. He looked like an infant. Like, he, he's always at the press conference yelling at fans and, no pictures, you guys. Like, I, I finally know what that guy's name is. Dave Schaller. That's, that's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're talking about the guy who is standing between uh, John Jones and, and D.C. at that press conference or, or face-off or whatever, whatever it was, one where the, the fight broke loose, yeah, that's, uh, that's Dave Schaller. I mean, he's, he's like a little, little guy, though. He's tiny. He's a small guy. He doesn't – it's not like he's a yeah. big – big guy like Dana White. I mean, you can't really expect him to separate John Jones. I mean, I mean, I mean, Dana White is not necessarily a big guy. It's just Dave Schaller does not command the same respect Dana White does. And then, and then imagine if you took Dana White out and put a fucking new fucking guy, a fresh-faced pussy in there, 
And it's like, no, Dana White is the man here. Keep him in there. Let him teach somebody else to be the man. You implement it little by little. It, it just doesn't make sense to just throw a new guy in there. I mean, I mean, allegedly he has a five-year deal right now. Dana White might sign again for another five years, but, I mean, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what I, I read. I, I didn't really do uh, deep research into this, but he might have a five-year contract with, with under WME and whoever the other owners are right now, but the majority owner seems to be WME. And he's going to continue his duties as president, but who knows? He might be grooming someone to take over during that time, or he might, you know, we might start seeing him less and less and start seeing a new guy take over. Uh, yeah. You know, like this whole, this whole deal was way too fresh. We're really under a wait-and-see kind of, kind of aspect right now. Yeah. It all came too soon. It all came, it came very fast because it was just the last month we were talking about a potential uh, UFC buyout. And Ariel Huani, one of the most respected reporters in the game, was the first one to report on this. And Dana White's like, no, 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 no sale. That's ridiculous. It's preposterous. But it's actually happened. And you're, you're right on a couple levels. And I didn't think about it the way – and you guys brought it up in a different way that I, even haven't, I haven't even thought of, that Dana White should stay in there and should at least groom someone backstage or on the backstage role to take over his place. Because, again, there's a lot of variables in this industry – that a lot of people don't know about except Dana White, you know, and, uh, and with this new owners and stuff, especially because we're heading towards Madison Square Garden and we're heading towards that, that big premiere show and everybody is looking forward to their first time in MSG, pro- probably more than UFC 200. And it, ironically enough, too, I want to bring this guy, bring this to your attention. The same company that now owns the UFC is the manager to Ronda Rousey. Is this the event where Ronda Rousey comes back, Madison Square Garden, Adam? I mean, maybe. I don't really know. I just feel like, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm kind of jaded, but I feel like there's so much good stuff happening right now within the UFC. Like, you see that young kid. Well, I don't even know his age. I'm just calling him young. But you see that kid, Venata, come in and, and fight Ferguson and, and and uh, put in a fucking amazing performance. And you see Cody Garbrandt come in and put in an amazing performance. And you see the next fight that's about to happen, uh, Yari Rodriguez versus Alex Caceres. And there's just so many exciting prospects and so many exciting fighters that I really could, I really do not give a fuck if Ronda Rousey comes back or if John Jones fights again because I feel like there's a lot of talent in the UFC and there's just more talent coming in. And, the fights are, are going to continue to be exciting and better cards are going to come. And who the fuck cares if Ronda Rousey comes back? I mean, I, I'm sure there are, there are people that care, but it's not really that important for me. So if she comes back at UFC 205, I think, in Madison Square Garden, awesome. But if she doesn't, I, I personally don't really care that much. You really don't care? I thought you were a Ronda Rousey fan, though. I mean, I like Ronda Rousey. I, I do, but... The game moves on without Ronda Rousey. You know what I mean? The game, the women's division is super exciting without Ronda Rousey there. Everybody's beating each other for the title. Everybody kind of looks like a contender. The whole fucking shit is shaked upside down. And it's more exciting without Ronda Rousey there because when Ronda Rousey was the champ, the division kind of felt flat. Right? Really? Did anybody yeah. agree with me? Did you not yeah, no, feel no, no, like no. there was nobody really there to challenge for the title when Ronda Rousey was champ? Like, she beat everybody and Nobody really mattered. And now the women's division is popping. It's exciting. Cyborg is here. Cyborg is fighting chicks that can't wait, that catch weights. 
there's so many exciting fighters that I don't think we need to focus on people that are not necessarily focusing on fighting, like, you know, the George St. Pierre's, the Ronda Rousey's, you know, John Jones being out. We don't need to focus on those guys. There's so much new good talent that's coming in right now. I think we need to focus on those guys. Okay. All right. So, uh, John, do you share the same sentiments with Adam that we don't need to pay attention to Ronda Rousey, that there should be other people down the pike that we should pay attention to, put this on the marquee and the main card of UFC in Madison Square Garden, which we're going to talk about uh, Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor, obviously, because that's, that's the big one. But um, do you think do you care about Ronda Rousey? Do you care about John Jones? Do you care about these big names that now are into the shadows? You don't care if they come back or not? Um. Yes and no. I mean, to to touch on Ronda first, um, agree and disagree with Adam. Like, I mean, on one aspect where where I agree with him, she's gone as of right now. So is John Jones. I mean, whatever major superstar is, is let's take them out the picture. We should focus on who is here right now. We have. Yeah, like Cody Garbrandt, he's making a he's making a run right now. He he could be one fight away from a title shot. And he's marketable, you know. Like, you know, he's definitely someone the the mainstream audience would grow attached to and would like to see. Then we also have international stars. We just saw this this kid, uh, the Korean Superboy. I, I'm sorry, I don't remember his real name. Yeah, he was dope, bro. Exactly, he came out there. He he fought a veteran, a guy who's hard to put away. And he knocked him out clean. We have guys like Louis Smoker who just had a phenomenal jiu-jitsu match. I, I was going nuts for that match, man. I that can't was a speak highly enough. Fight. It was an amazing fight. And it was all groundwork. The majority of the fight was groundwork. And, and I, I would you say that was candidate for fight of the year just because of how amazing they were. The transitions, the ground and pounds, you know, like the ground game can be fun. You know, everyone wants to see the big knockout, but I was going crazy to see some crazy darses and, and knee bars and, you know, everything that was coming along with that. So, like, again, I got to go back. Like, I agree, we got to focus on the new stars. But with that said, Ronda Rousey coming back is a huge story, and it. it's definitely going to bring eyes, especially in New York, the first New York card. Ronda Rousey makes her return, fights probably guaranteed for the title. Ronda Rousey coming back, trying to claim her belt. You know, like, you know, that's going to be a huge story. That's going to draw a lot of eyes. That's going to have mainstream, you know, press. We're going to see that in New York Post, everything, you know. like, And I would be excited for that. I mean, she, despite her flaws, she is a phenomenal athlete. And I want to know how she's going to respond to a loss, especially a loss that, that was as devastating as a head kick uh, in front of the biggest UFC crowd ever. And, you know, I, I would definitely want to see her back. I don't want her career to end on that note. Exactly. So I'm definitely interested in her coming back. I, I believe plenty of people are. She she, she transcended the sport. So there's going to be housewives. There's going to be little girls. You know, the do-nothing bitch movement. It's all going to come out for her return fight. And it will it, be like a big spectacle, especially in New York. Also, you guys here, the rumor is Jose Aldo McGregor main event of New York. That would be pretty cool. I would love that. Yeah. I would fucking yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. That would be yeah, fucking that's, incredible. That, that's what oh, I yeah. hear that they're, they're targeting right now. It all depends how uh, how 202 goes in August, but um, that that's what the, the little rumors are, that, that Connor's going to make his, his East Coast debut. Well, not his East Coast oh. debut. He fought in Boston, but his New York debut at, uh, at, at Madison Square Garden. 
If that happens, Adam, how hard is your dick right now that Conor McGregor is probably going to main event in New York, your hometown? I mean, if he's main – if Conor McGregor – well, I'm going to be at the first UFC at Madison Square Garden. Wait, 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 before you go on, Adam, um, David, what's good with some tickets for UFC New York? Can you hook us up? Oh, oh, my God. I'm glad you asked because tickets can be sold. Don't buy them just yet because they're pre-order right now. But in August, please go on thedreamleadpro.com. Click on tickets and buy your tickets to the first event of UFC at Madison Square Garden. And Adam, I just want to know how hard is your dick right now that not only you can buy tickets from your main buddy, but you can also see Conor McGregor by Jose Aldo. <laughs> I mean, my dick is super hard, but I mean, I'm going to be there regardless. <laughs> Whoever's fighting at, at, in MSG, which literally is like five blocks from where we work, I'm going to be there. It doesn't matter who's fighting, but if Conor McGregor's there, it'll really make it a, a special evening for me. You know what I mean? It, it'll just be epic. It's like, you know, a couple years ago, I went to uh, the first wrestling event at the Barclays Center, and I'm a huge CM Punk fan when it comes to wrestling. And CM Punk at the time injured his knee, so he could not wrestle. He was an active wrestler on the card. But he could not wrestle at tables, ladders, and chairs at the Barclays Center, the first ever wrestling event. But he made a cameo appearance there, and it made my fucking night. He did not wrestle. He came out, his music popped. The whole Brooklyn crowd was behind him. He said some shit on the mic while having a leg brace on, and the whole fucking crowd was behind him, and that made my night. I didn't even have to see him wrestle. I just needed that pop. I just needed to see him, and, and it just made my night. So it's the same thing, like, I would have been at, at TLC, the first, you know, wrestling event at the Barclays Center, regardless. And I'll be at fucking MSG, the first UFC card in New York, regardless. But if Conor McGregor's there, it just makes it 100 times, like, sweeter, you know? Yeah. And if I, I – if, if by the way, we're going to get on CM Punk a little bit because I want to talk about the upcoming events. Now that we're bringing up upcoming events, but if Ronda Rousey comes back, I need to see her ditch Edmund. That guy – is a fucking cancer. And you saw it with Travis Brown. What happened to Travis Brown against Cain Velasquez? And we called it, too. Didn't we talk about that last the last episode where Travis Brown is going to get his head kicked off considering that he trains with a terrible coach? And what happened, Adam? What happened? What, what, what happened in that fight? Ronda needs to get rid of that fucking coach. He needs to get rid of Edmonton. All of them need to get rid of Edmonton. Period. Agreed? Agreed. John, uh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I was talking about this last uh, podcast, how, how I didn't really think Travis Brown is looking great ever since he, he switched from Jackson to Glendale. Um, Edmund is a striking coach and just a striking coach. He's not an MMA guy, really. And his track record hasn't been great outside of uh, Ronda Rousey. And I think it's just he got lucky. Like uh, Ronda's mother said, he got lucky getting Ronda over there, because Ronda, you know, you could hate her, you could love her, but she is a fucking phenomenal athlete. And I think I think she could be so much better if she was at, like, AKA or, or you know, Jackson Wink or any, like, credible MMA gym, man. And just yeah. it's not coming in. There, there's actually, like, a, a picture out, like a meme or whatever you want to call it, where it shows his current track record where it shows, like, Jake Ellenberger, he's, like, one in four since switching to Glendale. Travis Brown is two in four since switching to Glendale. It's all, like, it's not it's not good numbers for, for Glendale Fight Club. 
Right, right, right. And um, before before we talk more about Ronda and everything like that, let's talk about the upcoming events, which is, of course, we have UFC 201, which I don't Wait, even know who's being eventing. Potter, before we, we advance, I think we need to talk a little bit about the fight night that just happened last night. I mean, that was that was a really incredible card. I mean, just a quick review at least. I mean, that, that card was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Good point. Yeah, UFC fight night. Adam, what was your uh, what was your assessment on it? First off, um, you know, when it comes to gyms, I think one of the hottest gyms to train at right now um, is is the the gym where uh, Dominic Cruz currently is that is that Alliance? Am I, am yeah, I correct yeah, on that? yep. Yeah, you're correct. That's a, that's Alliance. Uh, I, I don't know who else trains out there, but yeah, Alliance. Bro, Alliance is, is one of the up and coming gyms. I feel like you know they just. You know, they have – Angela actually trains there. Angela Overton. Yeah, she does. Yeah, you're she right. You're right, man. She just won the title. Um, a girl who who debuted last night at Fight Night, she won She won her first UFC debut. At, I, I totally forget her name, and I apologize for that. Um, you know, Dominic Cruz is obviously top-notch. And you can see in the way that Angela Overkill Hills, uh, her stand-up game has evolved so much. And I think that, you know, when it comes – MMA, I feel like Alliance is going to be one of those gyms that, that really becomes, you know, one of those next-level gyms like TriStar and, and Jackson. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that card last night was amazing. I mean, I think the highlight, you know, obviously John Lineker scored a beautiful KO, but I think the highlight is that kid Banada coming in two weeks' notice, almost KOing fucking Ferguson three times in, in the first round, and he just looked amazing. Like, he kind of... He reminded me of Anderson Silva. He was ducking under punches. He was just straight up, just moving out of way, out of the way of punches, and just countering so beautifully. And honestly, like, I really don't know much about that kid, but watching that fight, I literally became an instant fan, and I can't wait to see his next fight and what he does next. Yeah, yeah, and um, what I, what I really liked, um, by the way, too, it was UFC Fight Night '91 was going head to head with the. Uh, the ESPY Awards on NBC, which, um, by the way, I was watching that, like, and John Cena was uh, was the host, so of course I couldn't miss it. But uh, apparently, and John, I want to get I want to get your 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 opinion on this. UFC Fight Night did the worst numbers in fight history. With I, I think it was like six hundred thousand viewed. I thought it was a great card, by the way. Kaylin, I was impressed when she beat Warren Murphy. I think the prelims were awesome. That was a great night. It was a great night of cards, but for some odd reason, uh, is this like people actually exhausted from UFC after a long weekend or a long week of fights? Like, John, what, what was your personal assessment on the fight night? I mean, me personally, I, I didn't see the entire card. Um, uh, I, I came in a little bit midway through the prelims. I saw my main girl, Christina uh, Stanchu, lose uh, to a TKO. But I, I, I think the reason why... The, the fight night receives such low ratings is not because of, of MMA exhaustion. You don't really, like, you don't hear that for other sports. You don't hear, like, baseball exhaustion. There's baseball every other night. Uh, same thing for football, same thing for basketball. I think what really was, um, what was at fault here was lack of marketing. How, how many people really knew we had a fight night coming up Wednesday after UFC 200? I, I not didn't many. This until, yeah, exactly. I didn't realize there was a fight night until... I saw uh, a weigh-in video on Reddit. Like, oh, watch the weigh-ins for the fight night. I'm like, what? There's a fight night coming up on Wednesday? 
And, you know, like it was very last minute to find out there's a fight night on Tuesday. Uh, you know, see the weigh-ins on Tuesday and then the fight nights on Wednesday, just discovering it in a two-day radius is like, how many other people picked up on the fight night? I'm, I'm balls deep in MMA. And I was not aware there was a fight night on, you know, yesterday until the day before. So imagine the, the common viewer. How many people knew, you know, this South Dakota, South Dakota card was coming up? I mean, with that, with that said, rating, you know, let's ignore that. I mean, hopefully this doesn't reflect poorly on, you know, the fighters. Because when it comes down to it, the fighters put on a phenomenal card. Again, I cannot praise Louis Smoka enough for that, that fight he had with uh, Ben. Uh, I, I wish I, I don't want to butcher his last name, Ben Benjamin. You know, ben but Nick. He, he, <laughs> what, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I apologize. But um, both guys deserve credit. I wish they got fighting tonight just so Ben could have got a, a taste of some sort of bonus. I, I think Louis got a performance. I think um, Ferguson got fighting tonight, or maybe it was the main event that got fighting tonight. But, I mean, I, I really like. You know, phenomenal, phenomenal card, man. I, I mean, I, I know I, I did not see the entire card, but main event was great. Cold main was good too, even though my guy lost. Louis Smoka, fight of the year candidate. You know, like it, it, it was a you know beautiful performance by all who who who's on that card, and it's unfortunate not enough viewers were there. Or, you know, I hope they don't get penalized as you know. Not as you know, not move, needle movers as as Nate Diaz was deemed once. Right, right. If, if I, and I thought it was a good card. If I could interject, also on top of that, I think that that was a very TV heavy night. You had the SVs, you had um, the premiere of Mr. Robot season two, which is a huge fucking show. That that's like one of the the biggest yeah. shows on TV. So I, had, I definitely I DVR'd that. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I am totally looking forward to watching Mr. Exactly. Robot season two. Exactly, and that that came from seven, ten to eleven. You know what I mean? So that took up a, a good part of the main part. And then you also had WWE running huge promotions too. They were doing um, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Finn Balor, and then they oh, also yeah. had they also I mean, had that, their. That's, also, a, that's an excellent point, man. I, I did not like take into account the the, the immense competition UFC had. Um, exactly. Yeah, man, good good point, man. And then they also had the highly touted, um, you know, something that they've, that they've been promoting for months. They had their uh, cruiserweight tournament start last night too during during the UFC card, um, where they had like a literally every single guy in the cruiserweight tournament. They're all new talents from around the world and. And it was amazing. I was watching UFC Fight Night, and on my computer, I was watching that Cruiserweight tournament, and both were amazing. Like, you know, wrestling is wrestling. It, it's fake. It's it's predetermined. But the things that those guys were doing in the, in that Cruiserweight tournament was literally amazing. Every match was amazing. Every match on Fight Night was amazing. It was it was really a hard night to be a fan of, you know, you know. I, I don't even know what to call it. I guess men's performance or women's performance or just performance athletes in general. Your your attention was split in two areas, and you had. Yeah, yeah, and I, I you know what, I, I agree with you, and I'm just this call got dropped, unbelievable, Adam. He was bringing up a good point too, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, a men's competition and uh, WWE next, and uh, speaking about WWE because we have uh, not only is Brock Lesnar taking on Randy Orton, which uh, without much hype either, Brock Lesnar. 
fighting Randy Orton, wrestling Randy Orton, coming off his win against Mark Hunt, you know, I would put the WWE title right on fucking Brock Lesnar because that will be, you know, Brock Lesnar is a star that will never fade. He's a star that's, that's like, literally transcended to every single sport. Everybody will watch a Brock Lesnar fight. It just goes to show the interest in Brock Lesnar from both sides is huge. But also, we're going to touch upon Nate Diaz fighting Conor McGregor before we end the show, but we, I want to touch upon CM Punk fight, finally fighting Mickey Gall in September. Uh, as a pro wrestling fan, and all three of us are pro wrestling fans, Adam, are you excited about uh, CM Punk finally fighting Mickey Gall? Finally, the shit is happening after being announced in December 2014 this fight is actually happening. What do you think about I mean, CM Punk versus Mickey Gall fighting in September? Are you going to watch it? Are you excited? I mean, I think we're all, like, we're all, as wrestling fans, CM Punk fans, right? I don't think that there's anybody who's, like, a, a smart wrestling fan that's not a CM Punk fan. It's just, it doesn't make sense. The, the math doesn't add up. Um, am I excited to see him fight in the UFC? That's totally different. I am not particularly excited about that. Um, I, I just, I don't feel like the risk is worth the reward for me as a CM Punk fan. I mean, for him, it's totally different. He's doing this for himself. Obviously, he wants to make a little more money. He doesn't need the money. He wants to challenge himself. You know, that's a totally different thing. But for me, as a CM Punk fan, I, you know, me and John have spoken about this a lot, a lot as well. I just wish he would just continue as a pro wrestler. Like, I don't really have so much interest in watching him in MMA. That being said, when that fight happens, I am going to be pro CM Punk, and I'm going to hope that he wins that fight. But whether he wins or loses, I don't think it's going to take anything away from me as a CM Punk fan because I am a CM Punk pro wrestling fan. I'm not a CM Punk MMA fan. You know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the question as to whether I'm excited about it, it's like, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's not the most exciting thing that's going to happen. I'm more excited Yair Rodriguez versus Alex Caceres. Um, you know, I'm more excited for real MMA fighters to to see real fights. You know, the the CM Punk fight is it's cool. It's gonna happen. I'm I'm a little bit nervous about him. I don't want to see him lose, but I would. I don't know. It's not really that high up there for me. Like I'm I'm more excited when it comes to MMA for real fights. If it was pro wrestling, it'd be totally different. I would be 100% whoever CM Punk's fighting. That's the match I want to watch. But I don't feel that same way when it comes to MMA. Right. John, what do you think about that um, CM Punk fighting Mickey Gall? It's finally announced. It took two years to finally get done. But what do you think about this, uh, this fight? Are you excited about it, or do you agree with Adam? I mean, I, I, I think excited is the wrong word. I, I'm more, like, curious. I'm more, I, I want to see, you know, CM Punk has been training for, what, close to two years. I want to see what Duke Rufus has done with him. I want to know... Where's his skills at? He, he's a big mystery. And I, I know he's a more than capable pro wrestler. Is that going to translate to MMA? Is his athleticism going to be enough to, to meet the, the prime Mickey Gall? Because let's be honest, CM Punk is coming into the game very late. He, he's, he's close to 40. Mickey Gall is, is in his you know, mid to early 20s. The kid is reaching his prime while while CM Punk is leaving his. It's more of you know a mystery. I want to know what's gonna happen. I, I mean, when it comes down to it, I am a CM Punk fan. I, I 
you know, I wish the best for Mickey Gold because he's a legit MMA fighter. He 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 grinded in the regionals, you know. He's put in the time and he's trying to shine right now while Punk is someone who's already shined and he's using his, his celebrity to, to jump the line, you know, as bad as that sounds. I, I, I You know, I'm not taking away from anything from CM Punk. I respect him for coming into the octagon and, you know, despite him going from no MMA skills to the grand stage of it all, you know, like, I'm not going to penalize him for that. You know, he, he took advantage of his celebrity status and He's running it, running with it to fulfill a dream, and I, I have to respect that. And honestly, I just I, I hope he does well, and you know I also hope he manages to to bury the hatchet with WWE and and hit the hit the ring again, maybe get that WrestleMania main event. Call me crazy, but I think CM Punk can win this fight. I have no idea why, but like with Mickey Gall, his record on the amateurs is not that freaking impressive. If you watch his fights too. I know it's even in his beginning fights, he took down with his head hung really, really low, which opens him up to the guillotine, like uh, guillotine or whoever, however you fucking pronounce it. But, like, I, I know it's, you know, Mickey Gold is not exactly fucking Brock Lesnar here. You know, he's not exactly an unstoppable, unbeatable force. I think CM Punk has a shot. I think CM Punk could win this fight. Am I crazy? But think of that? Um, I, I, again, it's the unknown. We saw what Mickey Gall. We we have footage on Mickey Gall. We know, you know, we don't. We, I can't say we know his limitations, but we know what he's capable of. We know he's an at up ground, you know, guy. He he trains in Henzo's. He he's a local guy. He trains in Jersey, you know. We we know we have some idea of Mickey Gall. We have no idea of CM Punk. He's been just in a hole right now, grinding it out enough to get injured. He's doing something where he he's pushing where his body has not been able to, to quite keep up with him. But still, he's he's working hard with one of the best best teams there is, you know, despite, you know, how things are going over there with, with Anthony Pettis. But, I mean, if, if what's his name, um, Ben Askren is there, you know he's getting his wrestling done. With Duke Rufus, uh, an accomplished kickboxer, he's getting his striking done, you know. He trains with um, Gracie regularly, even before he decided this MMA venture. You know, like so he's getting all aspects of the sport, but we don't know what he's capable of. And it's that mystery that might entice you to think he might pull it off. Yeah. And b- before we leave for the evening, uh, the upcoming fight too, uh, UFC 201, which, again, to this fucking day, I don't know who is main eventing. I have no idea about the card. Uh, I think it's Lawler versus Woodley. You know, it's not being – but maybe that's a good thing because that shows how big UFC 202 is because – as Adam knows, and Adam, contain your erection, but Nate Diaz, this is Conor McGregor too. Adam, who is your pick in that fight? For, for Nate Diaz and Conor? Yeah, and, or what, what, what's your personal assessment on it? Are you more excited about any other card this year? Do you even have to ask who my pick? Like, come on, let's right. see. <laughs> so, so, so you're going with Nate Diaz? No, fuck no. I mean, listen, I'm a... I am a Nate Diaz fan. I would pick Nate Diaz over any other fighter than Conor McGregor. Um, but I, I mean, I just, I really, truly, honestly believe that Conor is a next-level fighter. And as much as I love Nate Diaz, and he's put on so many good performances, and he's just so epic in so many ways, I do not feel like he is a next-level fighter. And 
I feel like Connor is up there. I feel like he's up there with Jones. I feel like he's up there with St. Pierre. I feel like he's up there with Silva, with Demetrius Johnson, even even Jose Aldo. I feel like he's one of those guys that's just – he just has that extra something. You know what I mean? And I don't even know how to explain it, but I just – I really feel like he's up there. He has this very intelligent, you know, fight game – Mindset. He has. Uh, I guess what I'm looking for is the, the fight IQ. He knows what he's doing when he's attacking people at press conferences. He's just. He's a next level fighter, and I really truly believe that he's going to take this next fight. Right. I, I think uh, Nate Diaz kicks his ass. To be honest with you, I'm, I'm sorry to say that, Adam. I think Nate Diaz is going to beat him again. He's going to go down I know to. You think that. Wait. Yeah. Has there ever been a time when Conor McGregor fought that you did not pick the other guy? You picked Jose Aldo. You picked Nate Diaz the first time. I'm sure you even fucking picked Dennis Seaver before that. I'm sure you picked Chad Mendes to beat Conor McGregor, too. No, when he, when he fought Diamond Dustin, I picked Conor McGregor to win. That was the when last he time. fought Chad Mendes, who did you pick? You thought Chad Mendes was going to beat him. I'm sure you thought Aldo was going to beat him as well. Yeah. Max yeah. Holloway, you know, uh, Marcus Brimage. You've just been a, a Conor McGregor hater his whole UFC career, haven't you? <laughs> Admit it, Potter. Yeah. Admit it. Hey. Hey, 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 hey. He earned, he earned my respect his last fight. But I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon just because someone earns my respect and I actually, like, like him as a fighter. I, I just – I think Conor McGregor is vastly overrated, and he sticks up his peacock feathers, and people say, oh, my God, he's so great. This is – I'm used to this shit, though. Like, I watched Tito Ortiz when he was in his prime, and people say he was unstoppable. But then I saw Chuck Liddell – pretty much hiding in the background saying, oh, shit, when he fights Chuck Liddell, he's going to be in for a world of uh, – people are going to be in for a rude awakening. Tito Ortiz was the favorite to beat Chuck Liddell, believe it or not, when they first fought. And the same shit goes for Brock Lesnar, too, when he fought Cain Velasquez. Crazy as it seems, Brock Lesnar was the favorite to beat Cain Velasquez. Like, I've seen this scenario over and over again where every fight – where they hype up, the hype train says – Guy for, is for, amazing. The Brock, for the Brock example, though, it makes sense. Brock was a defending champion, two-time defending champion. Cain Velasquez was an unknown. I mean, why wouldn't Brock Lesnar be the favorite? Yeah, but look at look at what happened to uh, Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz the first time. What happened there? Yeah, Conor McGregor whooped his ass for eight minutes and then, you know, lost the fight. But still, it's, it, he wasn't dominated. You know, it was uh, very. Comp- it, it, I, I wouldn't even argue it was competitive because he clearly won. And if you watch the first round, it went to the ground, and he was still manhandling Nate Diaz. Also, mm. you have look at the most recent examples of last minute opponent days. You have you have Venata who almost fucking killed uh, Tony Ferguson on two weeks' notice. You have Anderson Michael Silva. You have Anderson Silva who almost killed fucking Daniel Cormier with a body with a body fucking kick. When you switch opponents last minute... Wait, 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 wait Adam. You've got to bring up Michael Bisping. And they yeah. notice beat the shit out of fucking Luke Rockhold. Yeah, and Michael yeah. Bisping is known as a B-plus fighter. He's not known as an A-plus fighter. And he came in on, what was it, two weeks, one week notice and fucking destroyed Luke Rockhold. And the thing is, is that people... People will never give McGregor the respect he deserves. He will fight anybody. He will fight you on one week notice. He will change opponents. He is going to fight. His fans from Ireland came. His fans from U.S. paid to see the fight. He is going to fight no matter what. It did not matter if it was Nate Diaz. 
It didn't matter if he fought at a catchweight with Daniel Cormier. He was going to fight that night, and whether he won or lose, he was going to give his fans a show, and you have to respect that. You have to. Yeah, but how can you say – wait, wait, wait. How can you say the two-week rule as an excuse, though, when Chad Mendez got the fight in two weeks and Chad Mendez got his ass kicked? No, but the thing is, the thing is about Chad Mendez is that if Chad Mendez was to win that fight, they would say, oh, Conor McGregor got his ass off, and Chad Mendez only trained for two weeks. But then McGregor beats him on two weeks, and they're like, oh, McGregor beat Chad Mendez, but Chad Mendez only got to train for two weeks, right? People people aren't saying that about fucking this thing or, or Rockhold. People aren't like, oh, you're a fucking piece of shit. Uh, Bisping beat you on two weeks. People aren't saying that to him because he's not as popular. People love to troll McGregor. You know this, man. There's just people that will always pick against McGregor because they just want that guy to lose. And it's understandable. It's like Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, but at different respects. I mean, Conor McGregor, as talented as he is, I don't think he's that... I think he should have stayed at the same weight class. I think he should fight Jose Aldo, stay at featherweight, and not... Not scratch that that you know I I don't want him to fight Nate Diaz again I really don't but I want him to fight I disagree with you because because it's like if you're not willing to step up and weight classes and fight anybody then you're not the guy you know what I mean if you want to be the guy if you want to be the guy who makes the most money if you want to be the guy who makes you know who brings the most attention if you want to be the guy you got to be willing to be the guy in all aspects. You got to be willing to to go up two weight classes to fight. You got to be able to you got to be willing to fight people on short notice. You know what I mean? Like McGregor is the guy. Like you can say whatever you want about him being cocky and talking shit and so many things, but he's the guy. When have you ever seen McGregor turn down a fight ever? When have you ever seen McGregor pull out of a fight because of an injury? When have you ever seen anything like that? You, you People do not give him the credit that he deserves because they feel like the UFC gives him too much credit. But it's obviously the opposite because the guy does not pull out of fights. He will fight anybody. He will step up two weight classes on one week's notice. He does not give a fuck. He is going to fight, and he's going to beat the shit out of you. And, yeah, he took a gamble, and he lost that fight. But he was doing really well. And Nate Diaz? For as much as he's a great fighter and as entertaining as he is, he's never been a champion. And he's never been a champion for a reason because he's not a triple-A fighter. He's not an A-plus-plus fighter. He's not. He beat McGregor, yes. But you, we all know that before he beat McGregor, he was fighting for 40000 to fight, 40000 to win because he's not a triple-A fighter. He's not uh, Joe Sanos. He's not a fucking Jose Aldo. He's not that level of a fighter. Let's just be honest about that. How wait? How is he not a triple A fighter? If the the argument is that Conor McGregor is a triple A fighter, Nate Diaz beat him. He beat him. Yeah, and he submitted him too. Conor McGregor fights at one forty five, and Nate Diaz beat him at one seventy. Like exactly where? my point. Conor McGregor, if he fights Jose Aldo, I'll root for Conor McGregor all day long. I'm rooting for Conor McGregor because Jose, Jose Aldo is not marketable. At all. I don't want Jose Aldo to win. I don't want him to win against Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor should stay the fuck at 145. I don't know why he's bumping up weight. Of course I'm going to for Nate Diaz. Let me ask you a question, Potter. Let me ask you a question. When has Nate Diaz ever been the guy? When has he ever won a title in a division in the UFC? He was the ultimate fighter. 
Did he ever win a title in the UFC? He came pretty goddamn close when he. Uh, I, I mean, up. even his, even his ultimate fighter uh, uh, crown was kind of like there's an asterisk. He, he, he fought Manny Good variant for the ultimate fighter, you know, finale. Um, I, I honestly, I, I can't honestly say I remember the fight to a T, but Manny threw his shoulder out. He, he dislocated his shoulder going for like a takedown or or what have you, and uh, basically Nate won by default, you know. So even even his his biggest accomplishment when it comes to like you know awards in the UFC he was you know there there's an asterisk much like oh you know this yeah I, I'm not trying to take away anything from Nate you know honestly I've been a Nate Diaz fan for longer than I've been a uh, Conor McGregor fan it all stems from Nick Diaz I, I remember my first Nick Nick Diaz fight being um when he fought Robbie Lawler. Instant fan talking shit the whole time, bitch smacking him. I'm like, oh my god, this fighter is everything I ever wanted in a fighter. Now also I'm like, what? He has a little brother. Instant fan. Then he fights Conor McGregor, who I, I've been riding the bandwagon since before he came into the UFC. The first Conor McGregor fight I ever seen was him winning, I believe the light the lightweight title in uh, Cage Rage or uh, I, I don't recall what Cage uh, Warriors. Is. Yeah, Cage Warriors. He was winning his his second title. I'm like, this guy is going to be the future. I, I, I wasn't saying he was in the future, but I'm like, this guy is legit. He's amazing. I love the way he fights. He shows up in the UFC. He fights Marcus Brimage. I'm like, this is awesome. This, I was just watching this guy fight a couple of months ago. And then, you know, I've been on his bandwagon. And then he fights Nate Diaz. I'm like, Nate Diaz won. I'm not mad Nate Diaz won. I'm just upset Conor lost because Conor was building history. He was going to be the first UFC champion to hold belts in two different divisions at the same time, and I really wanted to see that. He was put, making these predictions, and they were coming true. And I was I was wrapped up in the Conor McGregor magic, and, you know, it was it was a little upsetting to, to see him lose, but I was happy for Nate. I'm happy he's finally getting his pay. But the fact of the matter is, Nate Diaz has never been that next-level caliber fighter. You know, he's never going to be viewed as that, unless, you know, he goes on a tear right now. He might beat McGregor for a second time. Honestly, I don't. Uh, that's not my prediction. Uh, it's not that I don't see it happening. It could very well happen again. It could happen but, in devastating fashion. But I, 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 my prediction is McGregor's gonna. He's been training like a madman. Dana White has said it. He's obsessed about this rematch, and I think he is just a special individual. Where if he is that focused for this, he is finally training for a specific person. He, he has gone on the record numerous of times. Well, we don't know if this is fact or fiction or just the legend of Conor McGregor, but he never trains for one opponent. He just It's just another body in front of him, and he, he trains his game plan, and they got to adapt to his game plan. He'll, he'll just push through, and he's been successful. Now he's actually training for this opponent. He's training for Nate Diaz specifically. And we might see the best Conor McGregor ever, or, you know, Nate Diaz might pull through again. But I think Conor McGregor is going to show... He, he's going to show what he showed us in the first eight minutes of that fight and possibly either go all five rounds, but I think he's more than capable of getting a finish. ATS is finishable. Uh, Josh okay. Showed us this. Okay. All right. We can agree oh. agree to disagree, but, like, if Nate Diaz wasn't a, a superstar, as you guys say, then why are we talking about him? Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor, obviously, 
You know, obviously we're going to argue back and forth about like who's I mean, B plus, who's B plus, who's C plus. But you gotta you gotta be realistic. That fight made Nate Diaz. I mean, Nate Diaz was known to the core MMA fans, but that fight made Nate Diaz into a popular figure. Before that, he was not a popular figure. Literally, the fight before that, he fought for forty thousand to show, forty thousand to win, and he fought who was it? Uh, I'm gonna uh, Michael, Michael, Michael Johnson. Michael Johnson, yeah. He fought Michael Johnson and just totally outboxed him. He he didn't look super spectacular or anything, and it, I mean he looked good, right? He yeah, looked, yeah. He I, kind good. Of, I kind of disagree with that. I think he looked phenomenal in the Michael Johnson fight, especially especially coming off the the RDA fight where he got completely outclassed. RDA just took him down, grinded him out, beat the living shit out of him. And then Nate kind of disappeared for a year, came back, looked fantastic in the Michael Johnson fight. I, I I agree with you on that. He looked he looked really good in that fight. But did anything did he did anything about his game change? Did did you see anything new? Did you see any real advancements in his game? I don't. I feel like he looked good in that fight because Michael Johnson just stood there and boxed with him. And obviously Nate Diaz can outbox you. RDA shows you how to beat Nate Diaz the easy way. You grind him out. You wrestle him. You know you you don't get caught in his jiu-jitsu game and you grind him out. I, it would be more interesting in that in that his fight coming back if if he fought somebody like RDA that was going to grind him out, then we can really kind of see how much he advanced in that year. But I just I don't know, man. Nate, for me personally, Nate Nate Diaz could realistically win this fight. You know, he can win the second fight, and then Conor McGregor could go back down to featherweight and dominate that division. You know, just rack up an undefeated streak in that division. He's already undefeated in that division. And he's still going to go down as a bigger legend than Nate Diaz because he actually held the title and he actually dominated the division. Nate Diaz was never able to do that, you know? Okay. It's, it's, All right, I, he's see, a bigger, I see your point. Yeah. He's, I mean, I, I also got to agree, like, Nate Diaz might be viewed as a superstar, but the the point I think me and Adam were making is the the caliber fighter he is. Is he is he a championship fighter? You know, he has he he's definitely a top ten, top five fighter. But do you realistically ever see him champion? I don't know. I mean, I think right now his is his best chance at being light lightweight champion. I think he has a a, a great skill set to beat Eddie Alvarez. I, I yeah. don't see that as an easy fight, but it is it's a better fight than fighting uh, RDA again. Most definitely. And I, I agree with you on a lot of points. But more importantly, I agree with you on the fact that, you know, Conor McGregor will always go down as a superstar. Because, again, he transcended. He broke the glass ceiling. And everybody, even outside MMA, know who Conor McGregor is. Everybody knows. Justin Timberlake was taking pictures with him. Conor McGregor is a fucking superstar. Nate Diaz, you're right. Not on that level. However, that's what makes for an entertaining fight. And this is what makes us so excited about the fight with Nate Diaz, Conor McGregor. Because in my opinion, Nate Diaz, his big coming out party with me was when he fought Takanori Gomi and beat the former Pride lightweight champion of the world. I mean, like, that was my opinion on when Nate Diaz finally came out and had his coming out party. So, like, agree or disagree. Either way, it's going to be an exciting fight. Conor McGregor, I know, has a big future ahead of him. Uh, I pick Nate Diaz. Obviously, you guys pick Conor McGregor. So, that's pretty much, uh, you know, my assessment of it. You know, I think Conor McGregor, you're right. You're absolutely right. Conor McGregor will go down as the biggest legend of all time. Nate Diaz, 
probably won't be a champion, but will always be known for giving middle fingers and smacking bitches in the ring. And you know what bothers me about Nate Diaz is that he's been in the game for so long, but I don't feel like he's really willing to diversify his his fight his fight skill set, you know? Like I feel like you've been in the game for this long, you've been training for this long, you have so many fights. You should be able to, to throw some fucking crazy kicks by now. Your leg kicks should be vicious. You know? I feel like with with the Diaz brothers they focus on two things. They focus on boxing and they focus on jujitsu. And I think that's part of why, you know, both of them struggle to become champions. And you know their respective divisions. They're not willing to work on wrestling. They're not really to work. They're not willing to work on kicks and and just to really diversify to keep your opponent guessing. Because at the end of the day, you know you kind of know that all right, maybe he's good at boxing and he's good at jujitsu. But if I if I continue to take him down, if I if I continue to ground him out, I can win a decision victory over him. I can win a decision victory over Nate, or I can outpoint him. I can just leg kick him and 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 be movement based and and work around him, and I can. I can win a decision over him. And I think that's, a, that's something that they need to work on. You know what I mean? Like, if you've been fighting for this long, it, it doesn't make sense why you wouldn't diversify your skill set. Okay, makes just, sense. Just, just to touch on something real quickly, um, they do trade with Joe Schilling, and he is one of the baddest kickboxers on the planet. So uh, they, they are definitely working on their, their overall striking game. But in the end, they're going to, you know, rely on what they're strongest at, which is just pure boxing. But without a doubt, they're, they're definitely working on, you know, their kicking. If you're training with Joe Schilling, he's going to teach you how to kick a little bit. As for their wrestling, I can't speak upon that. I mean, it's clear that their – at least their offensive wrestling isn't great. I mean, if you look at the Nick Diaz versus GSP fight, Nick Diaz stopped a couple of GSP takedowns, which is – is amazing because not many people can say they've done that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. I think that's awesome. You know what I mean? And it's just like, come on. Like, when you saw Kane throw that, that spinning heel kick, it was just like, wow, that was amazing. It's not because so, it was the first time. like, wow, that, that's some, like, Luke Rockhold shit. You know, yeah. Luke Rockhold must be teaching them something. And it wasn't because it's the first time you saw, saw a spinning heel kick. It's because Kane Velasquez did it. And you can tell that He's been training and sharpening other techniques so he he can become a better fighter. And I would love to fucking see Nate Diaz come out and throw a spinning heel kick. And he would probably knock the dude out because they're not expecting that from him at all. You know what I mean? I would just like to see him. I know they're training with top-level guys. Uh, you know, I don't doubt that. I would just like to see them really diversify. And, I and you know, I think if, if he can do that and if he can diversify, then there's no reason why he can't be a champion because he has the fucking cardio. He has the chin. And he has the will, and he has the heart, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, boys and girls, okay, so we're heading toward the the time where we must wrap up this show, another show. We have to wrap it up like a condom, wrap it up like a Christmas present. So, boys and girls, children of all ages, Adam, final thoughts to the crowd, final thoughts to, about upcoming events you're excited for, final thoughts, final things you want to plug, final things you want to say. Adam, your final thoughts. Um... I guess my final thoughts are just like, I think this was a really dope podcast. I think we fucking crushed it. I think we covered everything. I feel like we covered too fucking much to have a, have a legit final. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm excited for the future of MMA. Um, I'm excited for Conor versus Nate Diaz. I'm excited for UFC 205 at Madison Square Garden. And um, I'm excited for the next podcast, man. 
Awesome sauce. Hey, John, final thought. Um, I don't know. I got to agree with Adam. There's, we covered so much, it's hard to just sing a, a final thought. So with that said, I'm going to give just a shout-out or two. Um, shout-out to my brother, Brandon, who, who couldn't be on the podcast tonight. He's uh, out helping Joel Vasquez train for his uh, July 30th uh, return bout. Um, Shout-out to Joel. I, you know, I can't wait to see him do some spectacular violence out in um, Queens, I believe he's fighting. Shout-out to, to Max. Max, celebrating an anniversary, man. Killing it. Hope you guys have many, many more years to come. Shout out to David Potter for letting me uh, be a part of the team again. Oh, shout thank you, Adam. You know, shout out to Adam for being fucking Adam. Love you, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> shout out to anyone else who needs a shout out, man. If you're looking for a shout out, here it is. Shout out to you. Awesome sauce. Hey guys, as always, the co-host Adam, who Hollywood Adam. It's always a fucking pleasure hearing from you, and you always. Give me, and this is what I love about Adam. This is Adam. Remember when we went to boxing? Went to boxing class, and you're like, "Yeah, you want to do? You're doing a podcast? I could be on that shit." And I'm like, "You know what? You correct me on so many points in MMA. It only makes sense. Like Hollywood Adam makes me think a different way about everything. Work, MMA, everything. So Hollywood Adam, it's always a fucking pleasure for you to be on and drop some knowledge. You know, you, it's, you're you're a great host, man. You're you're fucking awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you. Listen. Hell yeah, man. And John, thank you so much for always being on. If you guys ever want to read any of his uh, blogs, hopefully he'll type some more soon. His last one crushed the internet. We'll see if he types any more. But John, a staple right now, a permanent host for uh, our little podcast that everyone can listen to. So um, yeah, always listen to John every week. Hey, John, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you, man. And uh, as for my writing, man, I got something coming your way this Saturday. Panty dropper, yo, John. What's what's gonna be about though? Uh, I think I'm gonna touch a little bit of UFC 200. I, I got I got a couple of things coming your way. I got some ideas, um, but for for a full little blog or article or whatever you want to call it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna touch up on like full thoughts on how I viewed UFC 200. Oh, dude, can't wait, man, can't wait. So look out for his blog. Look out for his blog entry. They'll be dropping. Just like a P. Diddy album, he'll be dropping this Saturday. Hey, John, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you, man. Awesome sauce. And, Adam, thank you so much for coming on, too, as always. And I look forward to uh, in two weeks when we can talk again. All right. Thank you, man. Later. All right. Have a good one. All right, well, boys and girls, all my bros in different area codes, it's been another edition of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for listening. Every single podcast gets better and better and better. This is actually the first one we did not have a guest. It was the first one we did not have someone to interview. However, completely crushed it. We talked about so many points. Uh, huge guests coming on in the following weeks. I can't wait to announce them. However, I'm going to leave you know some, uh, some imagination of who it's going to be. But we've talked to so many people. I personally, Daniel Cormier, Frank Trigg, um, Daniel Roberts. Uh, Kevin Newman, so many people, uh, us together, Thugs and Rose Namajunas, Pat Berry, uh, Angela Hill, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, so many people on this podcast. And whether you listen on iTunes, Android, Blog Talk Radio, DreamLeaguePro.com, wherever you listen, thank you so much for being part of the listening audience. A lot of shit going on in the world right now, a lot of shit, but I'm glad every 
every other Thursday. You can turn off your brain for two hours and listen to us shoot some shit, spread some good vibes. That's what it's all about. So from me to you, from me, the host, us, the host, to you, the listener, thank you so much for joining us. This has been another edition of Dream Leap Radio. I hope to talk to you guys. I hope we talk to you guys in two weeks. Come on by, swing on by, DreamLeapPro.com, selling plenty of gear, selling plenty of event tickets, and selling plenty of good vibes, and good vibes come for free. Ladies and gentlemen, Dream Leap Podcast. And to you and yours, have a great two weeks. We'll catch you on the flip side. Dream Elite Radio. Wow, 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 wow,